The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to Masterclass Tactical Podcast. I'm Haydar Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. A quick turnaround, Rob, we are back after a couple of days. Uh, we're, you know, we're just as tired as Man United are playing four games in a space of a week. Manchester United have lost today against, I would say, a lesser side in low confidence. Um, Oli rung the changes, understandably so. You know, we've got a big game against Liverpool on Thursday. We've had a lot of game time. We've got to see a lot of fringe players play. Just we weren't quite at it today. I think what you saw is players who hadn't played a lot of minutes. And invariably, when you don't have a, players that play a lot of minutes, they look rusty. And I think that just really sums up United today. Yes, um, it was obvious, I think, that Ole was going to ring the changes. I think a lot of United fans thought that United should have gone strong for this match to try and solidify second and maybe go a bit, a bit softer on Liverpool. Um I don't think that was ever going to happen. I think there'll be changes for both matches, but I think it'll go obviously a lot stronger for their biggest rivals uh, on Thursday. Um, I was all for the changes today. You know, I wanted United to make those changes. I wanted to see the kids come in. I'd said on Twitter before the game that I thought uh, Alanga and Ahmed would start and that did happen. So I was pleased to see that. But I think 10 changes for a game of this magnitude when you're playing a team in the top four is just a tiny bit, too much. Added on to that, which we'll talk a fair bit about today, was the systematic changes. So we know that United are quite rigid in their 4-2-3-1. That's what we play every week. The players know it. That's how they train. It's a really it's a system banged into their brains. And today United started off playing a 4-3-3, a 4-2-4 out of possession so they could press high up the pitch. 
And then they kind of switched to a diamond for a little bit and kind of they went back to the 4-3-3. And in the second half, where they made personnel changes, they went back to a 4-2-3-1, obviously what they know. But unfortunately, they had players out of position who really can't play double pivots, can't play that shape and really struggle. It was a game of two halves, I think, for Donny van der Beek. I think in the first half, he looked really effective in a 4-3-3, allowed Matic to run the game from deeper, bring the ball forward, giving him a bit more space. But in the second half, when we went to a 4-2-3-1, van der Beek, you can just see, can't play the double pivot. It's as simple as that. When you know, And you can see why he's not played minutes in serious games that that cost you title places or cup places or wherever when we want Donny van der Beek to get more minutes. It's just not happening because he cannot play that role. Today, I think Ole was happy to see him do that for the last 25 minutes or so. But you could see the last 25 minutes, United didn't really have a lot to come back into the game. Once they've gone 2-1 behind, uh, you know, two real really bad goals, I think, today in terms of United's setup. That happens when you make those changes. But a disappointing result in the end. You know, I just think today, this United could have got a point out of this or even a victory. It wasn't a very good Leicester team. I don't think Leicester played that great themselves. But you could see that one team, certainly in the second half, really wanted these three points because they're fighting for their lives in the top four. Yeah, you're looking at the team, Rob. I mean, we'll run through the lineup, um, you know, for anyone that hasn't seen the game. But we saw De Gea returning goal. We had Bayern Axel. In the heart of defence, we had Tellers and Williams come in. I mean, just looking at that back four, it's a completely new, well, back five, completely new back five. And then you had Van der Beek, Matic and Mata in midfield. And then Ilanga, Mason and Ahmad. And we talk about Van der Beek. Now, I thought positionally Van der Beek was, was pretty good. You know, he had to make sure that he didn't vacate that space that he has done in the past. I mean, we saw the absolute car crash against Istanbul. So in that respect, I mean, I know we're look, we're talking about low standards here. But I thought that he he was much more disciplined than he has been. I think that was a positive. I think that he's starting to understand that position or understand playing a little bit deeper better, you know, sort of before he wasn't able to do that. The biggest problem for me, though, Rob, is that I just don't think as a whole it's a position which A, benefits United and B, benefits him. I don't think he was progressive enough today. I don't think he offers enough in terms of, you know, sort of going forward. And unfortunately for United today, you know, I think where the game was lost really was in that midfield. Yes, I, I, I'm I, not sure I completely agree with what your sentiment was there about van der Beek, about discipline and position and all of this. I think when United played the 4 3 the reason why they did that today and why Ole's kind of rolled the dice and allowed that to happen is that he's trying to get the two young lads at the top end of the pitch more on, on the front foot. So you saw Ahmed pushing forward on the right. He got an assist today. Unfortunately for Alanga, United were not really able to utilise him. He's much better as a kind of player in the channel or central. He can play left as he did today, but you can see he's not particularly effective. And that allowed Donny van der Beek in a 4-3-3 to basically sit in the middle of the park with no one near him, no one marking him. Is that discipline? You know, in a 4-3-3, you can do that. That's the role, you know. And if he's playing for a team that played 4-3-3 every week, I think Donny van der Beek would look all right. I think he'd be fine. But it's not the role, it's not the role though our midfielders usually play. Uh, and as I said, it allowed Matic to kind of drop deeper and get the ball and bring the ball towards him. Now, in the second half, he did have to be more disciplined, but you could actually see the confusion that caused in his game. He was too close to Matic, then he was too far away from Matic. Then he was getting caught up the pitch, trying to obviously when United was trying to score a goal. And then when he was having to do defensive duties, he was giving the ball away or getting caught the wrong side of the ball. So 
I think it was all a bit of a mess from Donny van der Beek in the second half. In the first half, fine. You know, it looked good because it was a kind of Dutch system that he's used to. We've seen Ajax play that kind of way, a kind of uh, a progressive 4-3-3 where you see that there's a, a genuine press day. You can actually see it you know, visually, um, it allowed, as I said, Ahmed to kind of push up with the four across there to meet the back four, and they were in a three at times. So, yes and no. Like, I come out of this game thinking that if Man United want to play 4-2-3-1 next season, Donny van der Beek can't play it. That's how I feel looking at today and assessing the whole of the season. I don't actually think... I saw anything today that makes me think that there's hope for him next year because I would have wanted to seen significant progression from this point. You know, I want to be able to see him play a double pivot after doing it for a year and he's not doing it any better than he was seven, eight, nine months ago. So you had Matic, who's not that mobile, having to do a lot of the kind of mobility work in front of the back four and I felt kind of sorry for him. He was one having to really get stuck in and you saw Van der Beek drop deep but not really affecting anything, not really kind of help plugging holes, not really not really getting stops. I would have 100% played 4-2-3-1 today. I would have played Fred and McTominay. I know everyone hates the McFred combination, but I think in this kind of game, you need solidity in that part of the park. Yes, you want to pass the ball out, but what, over 90 minutes, how many great passes did United make from in front of the defence today? a big fat zero. And that was from playing a progressive system of 4-3-3. Didn't quite work. So I would say 4-2-3-1 would have been better today with personnel that play that system. And I might have played Donny as a false nine. I'd have said, Donny, go and run the top of the pitch. You can go and do it, mate, because you that's that you don't need the discipline there. Just go and express yourself a little bit more. So I would have given him a start today. But I just think in that second half, he was exposed in the double pivot. It's a really difficult role to play. I'm not sure if people... Um, appreciate how difficult it is for conventional midfielders to play in a double pivot if they're not used to it. 100%. And that's why McFred play, Rob. That is yeah. that is the reason why they play. They, they aren't the sexy name. I get frustrated with them. A lot of people get frustrated with them. But as it stands right now, and, and that's part of the problem for Manchester United long-term, but as it stands right now, you know, they are our best option. They provide that solidity. Um, you know, they're not flashy. I want to McFred more- play today, McFred play today, United don't lose. Yeah, I, I I probably do agree with that. And the thing is as well, though, Rob, is that it's a difficult situation for Oli to be in. I I was very surprised to see how how many changes he made, and I think that was in some ways it was great to see Ahmad play, and he had a, he had a good assist today. He looks technically he looks fantastic for such a you know for such a young lad. I think he's naturally he naturally runs the channels. Um, he's he's strong. I think that's what surprised me today. You know, the way that he sort of shrugged off. I don't know who the defender was for Leicester. Um, and then he did, had the awareness to play it to Mason. That was a that was an exciting front three. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think we really saw the, you know, the sort of the potential that we could have done. I don't think Alanga showed that much today, but he's, he's obviously got a set of wheels on him. He's quick. But Oli had to make changes. And in some ways, I commend him for going really, really brave. You know, he played players that are either young or haven't played a lot. But... Unfortunately, when you don't have, when you make you make that many changes and you don't have these players playing together consistently as they haven't done, you know, you get disjointed performances. And I thought, well, let's go to the first goal. And I thought that you know Axel was very poor for that first goal. I thought Matic was poor for that first goal. You know, Matic has to track the runner from midfield. Axel shouldn't get dragged into you know you know into the ball ball watching. And uh, you know, it was a lovely finish. But apart from that, you know, I thought Axel had a good game. And what were your thoughts on him? Because he's obviously someone that he does have the talent. 
but it seems that he's either not playing regularly or when he does play, he's he's making mistakes. But these lads need game time. You know, we talk about Brandon Williams didn't have a great game today, but again, very difficult to come out from the cold and play play a full 90 minutes here and there and then go back out onto the bench and not be seen for months. Tellez is another player as well. Uh, you can say Matic as well. A lot of these players are fringe players. They don't get much game time. So to come in and be expected to, to play at, a high level and also having not played together as a team, like I said, disjointed, it is very difficult. Players aren't robots, Rob. You know, I think people do forget that. Um, but you know, there were some poor performances here. I thought Williams struggled. I- I've never been convinced by him, but I do feel sorry for him because he's not playing regularly and he's hard and do a job, and it's not easy. Yeah, I think just to kind of add all that up and uh like unpack it, I think. You know, very rarely when we do the masterclass to say what I would have done, it was more about kind of assessing what Ole did. Um, I would have done the changes. I'm with him on that. I might not have done 10 of them, but I would have done them. But I think you've also still have to go into these games with a solid base, respecting the fact that your fringe players haven't played a lot of minutes. So, yes, today was the right time to play the fringe. Um, I would have absolutely started two and Zabi with Bailly. I think that was the right choice. Um, I... I think Luke Shaw needs a rest. We can't burn him out. We cannot lose him for the Europa final. You know, so yes, you you play Tellers, even though I thought when he played his game against Roma, he was a complete disaster at left back. Yeah, but he, um, he was fine tonight. I thought but he, he was okay. He was... he was okay tonight. It was okay tonight. I think he was more solid. Um, but I would not have played Brandon Williams. I would have played Wambasaka. And again, I said this on Twitter before, and people were like, but Wambasaka needs a rest. And it's true, he does need a rest, but he would have been physically fit for tonight's game. And I think, again, with the first goal, you know, you mentioned now Axel and Matic for the goal. I think the goal was actually uh, Brandon Williams' fault. Why? Because he gets caught under the ball, our famous saying at Man United, getting caught under the ball. He comes so narrow that he's actually... Right-backs right. like doing that, don't they, Rob? Is, is, is it, well, yeah, they, they do. Well, our, our right-backs have done. <laughs> but uh, I think with Brandon, he just gets... Because it's early in the game, it's, what, 10th minute or something? He gets kind of scared. He comes under the ball. He, he goes to the centre-back position and he's covering. But, of course, then what do Leicester do? They see that and they put the ball over to the far post. That's what you do. You look up, you see the, you see the full-back's gone too narrow, so you go over the top of him so they did that and they scored um I've got no problem with Brandon Williams play minutes I think that he's a decent fullback I think last year was difficult for him in terms of his progress and I think it's difficult for him now trying to get minutes and having to rely on him tonight wasn't the night where I would have changed that Ole made 10 changes and when you're changing the whole team you've got to have some kind of know-how in there that people that know how to make things tick along so if you're bringing two and Zabi in there who's not played for a long time and I think he looked rusty tonight it was times where he looked either really good in the blocks or getting his body in the way but other times his passing was atrocious and he's a passer of the ball that's why I'd have played a double pivot that knows what the team does and yes McFred a bit boring a bit dull not particularly great at progressive passing but today they would have protected that whole back four they would have looked after Brandon Williams because someone would have got in the channel with him and helped him they'd have helped tellers on the other side as well they'd have helped the centre-backs we didn't have any of that help, did we? So I think in the second half, even when we went back to the double pivot, it didn't work because we had the wrong people in the double pivot. So I think that was a key part of the loss today. I've got no issues with Ole making these changes. I think before the Liverpool match, this is the time to do it. I really would have preferred Cavani and Bruno and Pogba and Rashford to see no minutes today. That would have been ideal. Um, 
I think Rashford coming on was the wrong choice for a guy who's injured and has been injured yeah, week after week after week. So when, when that substitution was made, I expected to, uh, Cavani to come on and I expected um, that Langer would come off because he'd had a pretty quiet game and that they would shuffle the pack. And I thought Mason would go to the right and you'd have Cavani through the middle. Um, but bringing on Marcus... You know, you saw the goal. The second goal was Marcus Rashford's fault. He's marking John Chu and lets him go, kind of gets in the spin, gets four yards, five yards away from him. And then it's a clean header. It's 2-1. You've Another lost the game. set piece, Rob, as well. Another set piece, something that you, you need to kind of work on, I think, going forward. Um, we've said this, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say it because it's today, but you can actually see what you lose when you don't have Harry Maguire in there. I think the big thing for Harry Maguire, and I've criticised him on our show here many times for this exact point, is that the communication is maybe not always there. I'm not always happy with what I'm seeing. But I tell you what, I don't think that back four spoke to each other today. You know, I looked at Bailly and Two and Zabia, not once did I see them actually tell each other, I want you there, or I'm coming back here, or I'll come. There was none of that. It was just complete, completely mute, the back four, where, where no one was really talking. I think Tellers does actually have a bit of a gob on him, and he does talk when he when he can do. But overall, there was a lack of leadership in there. And I think, again, from that corner, um, Rashford, you know, he's a young lad still, but I expect him to give a little bit of leadership when he's just come onto the football pitch. But he looked half asleep, and he has had injury. So I don't get that from Ole to bring on Marcus at that point. It wasn't the, the substitution that, that I thought was natural. I would have probably brought on Bruno with 25 minutes to go and to try and just turn the game a little bit from the centre of the park, maybe take a matter off. Matter went to the right for the last, what, 15 minutes or so? Yeah, Matter should have come up off what a was long the point? time ago. Yeah, Matter playing on the right, so you've lost all your pace on that side of the pitch. He can do it, but I, I think that Ole was fumbling around for tactics in the second half today rather than having a clear game plan. And that comes from playing youngsters, from maybe mixing it up just a little bit too much. Ten changes kind of ruined United's and, chances. And the change of system. You know, we're talking off, off yeah, air. It's a, big, it's, it's it's a, big a huge philosophical thing to change. You know, like you can't teach a system even in a week. You can't take those set of players and say in seven days, we're going to go from this system that we've played for a year and now we're going to do something that we're not so good at as well, like playing diamonds and playing uh, three across the middle. It's not it's not natural. If you want to play 4 free, free and you want to play it progressively, you have to play Pogba on the left of a three. That's what you have to do. But you don't want to play Pogba tonight because you want to rest him. So it's great changing systems, but only when you can actually do it with the correct players. And I think today... Um, Ahmed did well on the right of that midfield free because he was pushing forward. He was obviously, that was what the, de the designation was for him. But it didn't really work for Elanga. I don't actually think it worked that well for Greenwood. Like Greenwood's kind of to the right and allowed Mata to, to press forward in, in a free. And I kind of think that being not quite in the channel didn't help Mason's game either because he was kind of, you could see he was kind of on the left, on the right. He was dropping deep. Yeah, he was, he, like, was, he was dropping deep. I, I thought yeah, it was, it was confused. That's, yeah, that was it, looked confused. It, looked, it looked confused because he he's just trying to work hard. That's what his brain's telling him to do. You know, I'm working for my, for my teammates here. I've got to drop a little bit deeper. I've got to go and help these younger lads, even though he's also one of the young lads, but he's got plenty of games under his belt. And you could see that from United today, that that confusion was there, I think, for the whole 90 minutes. And um, I don't blame the team for that. You know, I think that that comes down to, to the manager. I think the manager has to organise those things. And I think today would have been the day just to do something that you know, but with different players. 
Absolutely, Rob. I'm going to bring up a question here from uh, Gerard. Guys, get your questions in. We'll uh, we'll look to answer as many as possible. Thank you for all your comments, as always. And it says here across the bottom, Gerard enjoyed the game. Um, you know, despite so many changes, couldn't understand how Mata played the whole game. Has to be shown the door in the summer. Yeah, was it wasn't a bad game. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't I actually the, thought it wasn't the worst game in the world. The first half, I thought United's retention was good. I mean, yeah. I don't have... We don't have the ticker across the bottom, but United only had four shots, so Rob, and that, that was the problem. We yeah. we looked a bit blunt. We, we kept the ball, I thought, quite nicely. Um, you know, at times, especially in the first half, the retention was good. Um, there's a lot of pace up top. We just didn't, we just didn't have that cutting edge. And it's a bit of a shame with Matter because look, he's when he joined Manchester United, he was an absolutely, you know, top player at Chelsea. Obviously, he had the whole thing with Jose Mourinho. Came to Man United probably at the worst time, played out on the right, has played out on the right, really. His whole career at United, he's just you know obviously he's getting past it a little bit now, and I th I think I probably agree with this, and I absolutely love Juan Mata. You know he's a, he's a absolute gentleman, and I think he's been a fantastic player, but um, he doesn't quite have it anymore. I think perhaps the legs have gone a little bit, and um, the game passing by a little bit today it is quite sad to see. You know a couple of the senior players, I thought Matic had a good first half, second half again just looks like the legs have gone and you know it's um, unfortunately united they're going to have to find a solution whether it's promoting from within obviously transfers will be a way of fixing it but united probably need, do need to upgrade on those two players i think come the summer whether it's internally or yeah i agree on that point i don't really agree on the legs point and i'll and i'll explain why is that i would have played matter today i would have definitely played him but the fact that he was at the point of the press kind of doing the bruno role doesn't help Wan Mata, does it? So, you know, we're talking about legs and running and Wan Mata's never done that his whole career. I don't you know, know why he was him, pressing no role. For him to press yeah. like the, the our, our central midfielder, Bruno Fernandes, who is the best midfield presser of the ball in the world, to then go and say in a 4-3-3, which is a pressing system, you've got to be the guy that leads the press. That's kind of like, I yeah, don't... My what? mind was, you know, that's mind blown. So I would, I would today, I would have played, I would have played the sister. I'd have played four two three one. I'd have played Van der Beek as the as a false nine dropping off. I'd have played uh, Matter as a ten behind him in a freer role, and then I would have had the two young lads. I'd have had Ahmed on the right, uh, and I'd have Langle on the left, and I'd have let them overlap with that with those two dropping in and then you've got that space in behind because your two middle players are bringing those center backs out a little bit and we didn't do that we played 4-3-3 instead so you played 4-3-3 so I don't think that helps one matter and I think one matter will probably leave United at the end of the season but I tell you what there's still there's still football in it for him if he goes to a team where he can put the yeah. ball in the deck and be a, a trekkerista and, pl and like play that, in yeah. the pocket and all of those things I think I don't think one matter's legs have gone I just think that if you play him in this system you can't really play him in a 4-2-3-1 because he doesn't really suit that three he certainly doesn't suit the double pivot. That's way too far back for him. Um, but in this 4-3-3 where you're asking him to be Bruno Fernandes in the kind of role, what? No. I'd have rather had Scott McTominay doing that, running at the goalkeeper. So I don't really want Juan Mata being my guy leading the press, even though I would say for the first half, he didn't do a bad job of it. You know, I think he was there and you could see he was kind of uh, bringing on him and Greenwood were on that side and kind of pushing towards the centre-backs. Okay, that that did kind of work. It stopped Leicester from playing out from the back, but as the game progressed, United were in a weird shape and tried to do things that they were doing earlier in the season, and none of it really worked. And as you said, then you end up with one match on the right hand side, giving you nothing for the last ten or fifteen minutes. 
Absolutely. Guys, you've spoken a lot about Van der Beek, but I will answer this. We'll answer this quickly, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, says here, thoughts on Van der Beek. We've discussed our thoughts, but uh, thought he was sloppy in general. Didn't impact the game in yeah. any way, really. Time to cut our losses in the summer. I said this uh, months and months ago, and this is not against Donny as a player. Mm-hmm. Rob, we've had this discussion many, many times, but uh, you know, I'm struggling to see Look, he needs to get up to speed with the league. He needs to he needs to adapt rather than the team adapting around him because that's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, if United, we've discussed this before, if United get some decent money for him, is it possible that they do cut the losses and maybe bring Lingard back? I think we should sell Lingard. But, you know, deciding, because at the moment, you know, you look at Donny van der Beek and what is he offering that's better than someone like Lingard, for example, you know? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. He's not offering anything more than Jesse Lingard is. So if you think about, like tonight, Ole's done what Ole should do, and that is he's trying to get people on the pitch. He's trying to give people minutes. United has secured the top four, and now all eyes are on the Europa League final. Does Donny van der Beek have any chance of playing the Europa League final? I tell you what, if there was five injuries in the team, he wouldn't play. That's how far he is down the pecking order. And that is his fault because he's not played well enough when he's had the chance. So I think today Ole's put that 4-3-3 out because, as I said, both there's him, there's Alanga and there's Ahmed. And he's trying to find a system that fits those three players to get the most out of them. And I would say that all three didn't really have any kind of effectiveness today. I think the... um, that Donny was sloppy at times. I think towards the end of the uh, first half, he had the ball quite a bit and there was no incisiveness from him. He lost the ball three or four times and it was, it felt disappointing. And then in the second half, it felt like rabbit in headlights, you know, so he was dropping deeper into the double pivot because he had to do that job. And you can see, he just doesn't like doing it. He hasn't got the motor. He'd already run for 75 minutes. So he was knackered and you could see that those things all were kind of piling up on top of him. Do you sell Donny van der Beek in the summer? Um, You said there, you know, if you get a good price for him, well, who's going to give you a good price for him after a year of nothing? You're not going to get a good price. What you're going to have to do is cut your losses. Do you think his value's dropped that much though, Rob? Oh, yeah. I I think so. I think so. So, Say you're Ajax. Say Ajax. Say we know this kid and we'd buy him back. You know, what are you going to pay for him? They'll start at like 18 million, Haydar. They're not going to give you what you gave them for it because you were buying a player with great potential who was going to help you to go for the Premier League or go to the next level, try and win your trophies. And what you've ended up having is a guy that basically collects the water bottles at the end of the game. He does nothing. So that's that's really on Donny. And obviously, I think Oli wants to still find a place for him. There's no doubt about it. But I don't see United next, se- next season reverting to a 4-3-3. That's not something they're going to do. And they're not, he's they're... not a Pogba replacement in the deep position. Well, of course, he can't be. He, can't, he he's, he's, he's not fit to lace Paul Pogba's boots in those roles. That's not his fault, again. That's the kind of style player he is. But we've kind of learned on the fly with him. So even like I said today, when he was in the double pivot, say he'd given us 45 minutes today and, we'd, and, and played well in the double pivot in that role with Matic. We could have now been sat here going, do you know what? We lost the game. But that's a positive, isn't it? Donny van der Beek can play the double pivot. Maybe he's something has clicked in his head and he's got there. He's not there. So I just think that United are more likely to go 20 million for Donny van der Beek. Off you go. Right now we might need someone like Nindidi. You know, do you go for a player like that? Do you look at Basuma and say, ah, yeah. Basuma, 35 30 mil. million, 
40 yeah. million maybe do we have to go a little bit higher to get him but he's a number eight he's an engine he's proved that he can play in the premier league every week week in week yeah. out with the team at the bottom of the table you know those players are are the toughest players in that bottom six or seven because they've got a they've got to run all day long that's just the way it is and it's a good it's he a also good, plays for a manager that's, yeah he's I mean, a progressive he also manager. manager yeah and he can he, look yeah. Basuma can play i would implore anyone to go and watch we can get out, Rob. If you look at their statistics, yeah, you know, I know, they, yeah. they're playing. You know this. You know this. You know mm. Brighton are playing like a top four side. They just can't put the ball in the net. If you look at yeah. all of the statistics, their, their, their chance creation is absolutely brilliant. And Basuma is very essential to that. I don't think he's a six, Rob. You know, I, I don't think he no. can sit and hold. It's wasting him. But he's an engine in that midfield. And if you're going to play, well, we Pop don't play the, the sixes. So this this no, is another thing. Four two yeah. three one allows you not really to play with sixes. You know, you're not playing. If you're playing. Uh, 4-1-4-1, then you would generally play with a six, like a Matic screening or a Carrick screening, that kind of player. But again, stylistically, United don't really play with a six. Paul Pogba's got six on his back and he's nothing like a six, is he? Obviously, numbers don't always equate to the position. But Basuma, you could you could play him in all five roles behind the striker. So if you played 4-2-3-1, he could play in the two in front of the four. He could play in the three behind the one. He could do all of those things and give you kind of more value in terms of creating chances, scoring goals, getting in the box. All the things that you would like Donny van der Beek to do, but unfortunately we've not seen it. And I think that's why it's more likely that Donny van der Beek will leave now because it's a case. I think he probably needs to find a team that stylistically fits what he does. And Manchester United are not that team. He's not going. They're not going to play a system that suddenly we we're sat here doing a masterclass, going, oh, Donny Van der Beek is the key to this new system that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is playing. The only way I think he gets saved is if Ole left the club for whatever reason, and you had a manager who came in who was insistent on playing four three three, and was Dutch and you, Donny van der Beek, <laughs> then you might get away with it. But I think at the moment, it we does look bleak. Like and, and, yeah, and there is more, it's more likely, I think, that Donny van der Beek goes and that then United say, well, we would like a Lingard. We would like someone who will run and work in the three behind the one, but will also give us a little bit more kind of Premier League know-how, who can who can kind of get up the pitch. And I think the whole thing with, with Lingard is trust, isn't it? You know, I think most United fans don't trust him anymore, simply because of his performances over the last two or three years. But he has gone to West Ham and almost got them in the Champions League, almost on his own. So you look at that and you think to yourself, well, you know, is he good enough? Probably not. But then if you're United and you're trying to balance the books or you're going to go and buy Sancho for 80 million and you want a supplement, you could get rid of a Donny van der Beek who's giving you nothing and at least bring in a Lingard who might give you something. And that's the balancing act. That's what Ole's going to have to answer in the off-season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um... I think United got to be smart in the summer. Like we said on mm. previous podcasts, there's not going to be a huge pot of money. We know the issues with the owners, uh, pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So United got to be smart. If, if Sancho is going to come for 80 million, then whoever's coming in, it ain't going to be Rice for 80 million. <laughs> so we can you know, scrap that. It ain't going to be a centre-back for 56 million. It really is not. It's going to be someone who's going to be, honestly, 30, 40 million. And Basuma, for me, ticks all the boxes that you want. It's not the flashy name. He's not the one that's, you know... Um, going to sell the most shirts, Rob. But he functionally, if you look at the system and what he can offer and his attributes, I think it's a really nice fit. 
Yeah, I th look, let's make an assumption here. It is a big assumption, and and obviously our, our viewers in the comments here can can put their comments in on what they think about transfers or questions around that. Let's assume that Man United buy Sancho. Now, I know you'll be very happy about that, but there's certainly a bigger chance that United are going to get Sancho than any other club at the moment. Yeah, he he's been on United's radar forever. The deal is kind of done. It's just it needs to be executed. Chelsea also wants Sancho, but that's a different conversation. So if you spend 80 million on Jaden Sancho, then what do you do with everything else? Now, Gary Neville said on Monday Night Football yesterday that um, he thinks that if United buy Sancho, that's the end of all their business. They won't do any more business. Now, I totally disagree with that. Why do I disagree with that? I think because there's plenty of players in the United system at the moment and in the squad that are going to get moved out or chopped or changed or something. So Donny van der Beek is one of them. You know, you could get 20 million for him and say, goodbye, Donny, failed experiment, off you go. You could look at Matic and say, is he still worth it in the squad? Do we just drop him and chop him out, you know, pay him off and just get rid of him and just take the hit? Do you look at Mata and say the same thing? So I think when you look at United's fringe, there are still players there that won't be at the club next year, I think. And if, if they go out of the club, you can't just buy Jadon Sancho. You can't do that. So let's look at the centre-back situation. So two and Xavier today did okay. I'm not convinced over the season that Ole trusts him for whatever reason. He's not played him in, in the games that I expect him to play. He's not rotated in and out of the squad. He's had a few injuries. He's had a few problems. Eric Bailly signed a new contract. So you know Eric Bailly's staying. Again, that was a surprise. It was a surprise. But again, I think United, it's hedging their bets, isn't it? It's like, what do they want to do in the shape of their squad? And if Eric Bailly's going to be a reserve, which I think he will be, then you pay him up and he sits on the bench. And if he's happy with that, then happy days. You've got Lindelof and you've got Maguire, but then it tells you that you might move to Nzabi out because you might get a decent bid from someone for him because he is a decent player. We've got here, you know, I think David De Gea will be sold and get Tom Heaton as backup. I think that that will happen. I'm not sure about the Tom Heaton bit, but I do Looks think like that as it stands, as it stands... David De Gea will be on the transfer market. So all of these things about, we're talking about 80 million, United not having any money. The best way to, to generate money is through transfers and sales. So United have got players that they can get off the books. Once they're off the books, Haydar, that then frees up your wage bill. And that's what's really important. It's about how these players, so look at David De Gea. It's not whether you get 10 million for him or 20 million or 30 million. It's his 300,000 pound a week, whatever he takes as one of the biggest earners or the yeah, biggest, the biggest wages. goalkeeper earner in the world. So if you take that off the books, 300,000 pound is a very, very good footballer to come into your football club or two, you get two for 150 each. Basuma might cost you 150, something like that uh, a week to come from Brighton to Man United. So there are certainly ways of doing it. And I think that's what we'll see. I think that's how this summer will pad out. I think Sancho will will be the, the marquee signing. And I think we will then see two additional signings coming in. I think one will be a centre-back. I think that is quite likely to be Pau Torres. Um, and I think that United will negotiate hard on that. They won't want to play the full fee, but there is a buyout clause Let's see what happens if Villarreal beat us in the Europa League final. His price might jump 10 million. Or if he I plays terrible. If he plays terrible. Exactly. So other clubs do want him as well. Um, so, But he's, he's certainly on the radar. And then it allows United to maybe go for one other. I'm not talking a Grealish-style uh, signing. You're not going to get another £80 million pound footballer. I do think this, though, after what's been a horrible year for the Glazers in terms of financing and PR... 
there is every chance that this is the transfer window where they go a bit do lally and do something a little bit crazy and we go oh my god they've just bought three big marquee signings because they're worried that sponsors are not going to stay at the football club they're worried that they haven't got big names they're worried that united fans are not going to buy the shirts all of that kind of um kind of ne neurosis comes into their thinking and they might actually just spend a little bit more money than we actually expect them to that would not surprise me at all rob if they did that because it's it's all about damage limitations now, isn't it? And we're yeah. seeing, it, look, the pressure's on them. Like, and it hasn't been like this ever, I don't think. I don't remember. The sponsors are getting attacked. We saw the Hut group pull out as well. That was yeah. uh, that was 20 million over over um, 10 years. Sorry, 200 million over 10 years, 20 million. Yeah, huge. that's a huge issue. Yeah. We're, we're losing that deal, 200 million. And they said, we're not doing that deal because of your fans. They said it out loud. Yeah. That's a problem because yeah. that then just ripples through the airwaves, and that's a, that's a problem for them. So they so the Glazers need to make sure that the club is secure, not just financially, but the playing staff match their ambitions because they still do want to win or they still want to be in the top four. But it can't happen if they lose six fringe players, and you know we even talking about the matters and the matches and these players. They're still important, but yeah. if you lose you David De Gea. Yeah, if you lose David De Gea, we've had this problem of two, having two great goalkeepers, and now you've only got one great goalkeeper. And what do you do with the other goalkeeper? You know, you have. You, are you going to keep a, you know, a, a Romero type figure around? Are you going to look for that kind of goalkeeper? Are you going to just get a Tom Heaton? So there's issues there. And United, I do think that there'll be more incomings than maybe say other pundits are saying at the moment. Absolutely, Rob. I'm, this is a bit of a. It's two questions, but I'm going to sort of mold it into one mm -hmm. here. So I'm going to bring it up. Um, Jordan's asking, is there a wake-up call for Oli to use the squad more, the full squad more? I thought we looked tired and disjointed in the second half. Lesser were more on it. And then hear from Alan saying that, mentioned in the comments, what are the thoughts about giving a player a run of games? Hearing that about Van der Beek, now Fred, two years ago, can a manager afford to do that or does it impact winning? I do want to give my sort of two cents worth on Oli's squad rotation. Now, I think Alan's spot on when he's saying that you got to win. Managers need to win games, and they select the, they select the side that they think is going to win the game. It's very difficult difficult for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he goes and rests Bruno Fernandes. He brings in someone like Donny van der Beek, and the, the levels are just so far below what Bruno offers. So he's got to play Bruno week in, week out. We see that with Marcus as well, and we've seen that this season. Martial hasn't been at it. We've seen Mason until the last, I'd say, two or three months. He was off it as well. Oh, I know, understand Ole wants to win games, so he has to play these players. But there have been occasions, Rob, where he hasn't had to play Mason. Uh, sorry, hasn't played, had to play Marcus, hasn't had to play Bruno, and he's played them. He's played other players when he hasn't had to. He hasn't rotated. And if there is one criticism I do have of Oli, is that I think that he could have managed the squad better in the sense where, you know, if you're playing some of these fringe players more, they're going to have more minutes. They're going to be a bit more confident, I think, a bit more up to scratch rather than when they do come in after months and months out in the cold. They obviously played terribly. We saw Tellez against Roma. It's very difficult for a manager. I completely understand where Oli's coming from because he has to win football matches because if he loses two or three games on the bounce, the pitchforks will be out and, you know, the, the talk about his job, etc. Um, but I do think there there were there have been several games where he didn't need to play certain players. And ultimately, we've seen with some of the players that have picked up injuries, Marcus being one of them, I think Oli has contributed to that in some respect. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to subscribe to that because I think, you know, what did I say to you really early on in the season that the league table doesn't lie? 
didn't I? That was one of my little catchphrases early on. The league table doesn't lie. You don't look at the table early on in the season, but you certainly look at it now. And every decision that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has made has been vindicated because he's in the final of a European trophy and almost solidified second. And if Manchester City or, you know, if United started the season slightly better and City had not had that great run of, of wins, they would still be in the title race now. So I think it's difficult because I think you've got to look at it in terms of winning and nothing else. It's always about winning. If you can rotate and win, then you rotate. If you feel you can't rotate because it will impact winning, then you absolutely don't rotate. So earlier on in the season, why was it the, um, that Henderson wasn't getting games and De Gea was playing? Because I think at that point, the manager was thinking, I can't make that change yet. I need to stick with my number one, the experienced player, and I will do it eventually. And I think Ole's done that fine. You know, I think when you look at players who've come through in the squad this year or players that have maybe played more minutes than people expected, I think he's slowly groomed the squad to do what he wants them to do. 4-2-3-1, play that impactful system, play the double pivot, allow the three to be fluid and then kind of chop and change your striker. Obviously, it started with, with Martial being the first choice and it's slowly morphed towards Cavani, towards Mason and even a little bit of Rashford. So... I think that he's done it at the correct pace. And again, say we were fourth or fifth or sixth, then I think we could be saying, hmm, you're a bit Arteta, aren't you? Because Arteta's done that. He's rotated. He's moved players in and out. He's tried different things. He's allowed Willock to go to Newcastle and he's gone to Newcastle and helped Newcastle stay up. And if he'd been at Arsenal, you know, Arsenal might have been higher up the table. So you make these choices and you live and die by them. And I think Ole's choices overall have been worthy. You know, I don't think we can sit here and really criticise him because the Donny van der Beek question is probably the biggest one, isn't it? That's the one where people have said, why is Donny not playing? We know why Donny's not playing. We know why Donny hasn't broken through. We know why Donny has been less impactful than he should have been because we've broken it down on this show tactically about what the issues are. Uh, the common fan who may be not interested in tactics and just look at, the result at the end of the day might be saying, where's my Donny van der Beek? I want Donny van der Beek. Or like shiny new toys, Rob, well, and that's well, all that matters. Me Before the start of the season, when Donny came, one of the, the, the common conversation that I had was Cavani's a, a gold digger and he's going to be a useless and Donny van der Beek's going to save Man United and Paul Pogba's terrible. They were the three things that the consensus of United fans were saying, whether it be on fan channels, on Twitter, or just in general, they were the kind of narratives. And all three of those narratives are kind of skewed massively. So Cavani's had a great season. Um, Pogba has been sensational once he'd got fit. And Donny van der Beek has been a disaster. So those three things haven't worked. And I think Ole has managed them well enough to the point that we are second in the league in a European final and we're not got any damage off the back of those issues or three things that we thought would happen that didn't happen as a fan base I think it's a difficult job Rob you know we're in a pandemic here as well uh, condensed ma uh, match schedule or yeah. you know, fixture schedule which hasn't actually been mentioned I think it should be mentioned because yeah. you've noticed the teams that are play a much more of a high energy game I'd say Liverpool's one of them yeah. you can possibly say Leeds although they've peaked quite, quite well near the end of the season but these sort of teams have really struggled. And I think United aren't aren't a high-pressing team. They're also not a team that sits back and, and uh, you know, plays a low block. So I think, you know, in that respect, Oli's done 
done a really good job. And, it's just, and this it's year, just... and this yeah, year go we've on. gone from being a team in transition who play counter attack football to playing more actual football on the deck. So United have done that. They, they keep the ball better. And even today, with a much-changed team, there was a period of about 20 minutes in the first half where it just looked all silky and smooth. And then it all went messy and horrible again. But the point is, is that they're trying to do it. It's now more in their DNA. They're trying these things. Whereas a year ago, we were just a counter-attack team. That's what we did. you know. And if, if, if you're slow and we're quick, we're going to beat you. Kind of as simple as that. Whereas this year... United have played more actual, what I would call real football, the more five or 10 yard stuff, more through Bruno facilitating, keeping the wider players more narrow, allowing the striker to kind of check in and out, doing more things like that, allowing Maguire to bring with the forward with the ball. All of that stuff is what I call real football rather than this kind of basketball style transition football where you just kind of hit them and hurt them and try and do that all the time. But generally, teams that do that don't win titles, don't get to finals and don't get to the top of the Premier League. City are the opposite, aren't they? I think we're probably closer to City stylistically now than we've ever been in the last, say, seven or eight years, or certainly during the Guardioli years. I'm not saying we're exactly like them. The difference is their squad is a much bigger rung above ours. You know, like when De Bruyne's out, we said this before, isn't it? De Bruyne's out and they bring in world-class players. You know, if we lost Bruno, that would be the end of our season, probably. You know, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? You take 30 goals out of the team and assists and you'd struggle massively. So I think that's the next step for United is to build a squad where you can then rotate and feel better about players. I don't think we're quite there at the moment. No, definitely not. You can see that there's still deficiencies in key areas. Rob, let's go to the final word. Guys, thank you for all your comments as always and your fantastic questions. Uh, we really appreciate it. Final word, look, I think Oli had to rotate. It's a shame we lost tonight. I completely understand it. I'm not angry, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, he's got to manage the squad. In, and I think while it'd been great to beat Leicester, he doesn't want to lose to Liverpool. Let's be honest, he'll play a stronger side against Liverpool. He's has to manage the squad. We've got a European Cup final. Um, but all in all, look, I think we've seen why certain players aren't playing. And we also saw a few bright sparks. I thought Mason's goal was fantastic today. He's really developed into... His whole game very, very well this season. I'm I'm really impressed with him. He had a really difficult start. We've spoken about this on this podcast, but you know, I think he's got is it 12 goals now? Uh, he's been in fantastic form the last couple of months. Um, really, really building and, and developing into a, a really talented all-round footballer and not just a really good finisher. Um, and you know, I was really happy to see Ahmad play. It's, it's been a while. He looks a talent, there's no doubt about it at all. And Oli's got to manage him. He looks strong. Technically, he looks refined. I think he's going to be a player that United fans should get excited about. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can carry on developing. But all in all, it's not the end of the world. You know, Oli rotated. It didn't work out. Probably made too many ch changes. Changed the system. He will go back to 4-2-3-1 against Liverpool. And I fully expect United to try and put the strongest side out and win that game. The strongest team will be out on Thursday playing 4-2-3-1. You can bet your house on it. Absolutely. But it's not whether United need to win the game or not. That's not really what it is. It's a derby match. It's against Liverpool. Obviously, it's a postponed fixture. There's all sorts of kudos around it. And you want to win these games. It's just how it is. You know, you lose to Leicester. That's not ideal. And as I said today, I think if you play the double pivot, I think you play McFred, you don't lose this game. You maybe at worst draw it. And we're sat here maybe saying something slightly different. Um, I think for United, you just say, you know, the players that you mentioned, I think Ahmed has clearly got all the talent in the world. You can see that even for a young lad, he's just got great balance and endeavour and he's quite strong for a small lad as well. 
and talking about Mason, you know, there was two or three times tonight where I watched him travel with the ball and he just kind of reminds me of Mbappe. Just yeah. Glides. And it's, and it's rare, you know, like it really is rare. Like when Marcus runs with the ball, he doesn't run like that. Marcus runs at pace with a little bit yeah. of trickery and moves in and out and maybe kind of is a little more, little bit more Ronaldo-esque in the early days, you know, a trick here or there. Whereas Mason kind of goes past the player and is just gone. And the player just doesn't know what to do because he's just, he's dribbled past them. There was two uh, uh, times today in the first half where he did it and then he made bad passes at the end of it. So you think to yourself, if you can get that pass, that's going to be the next part of his game. I think his development for a young player is outstanding. And he is the talent at Man United for me. You know, like going forward, we look, we talk about who's going to be the striker, who's going to score goals. I don't think it really matters whether Mason's the nine or playing to the right of a 4 2 3 1. I think he's just going to score lots of goals. As long as he has creativity around him, he's that kind of player I just think will just continue to develop. I really hope he doesn't go to the Euros. Now, I know England fans might not like I, that. I was going to say the same thing. I, I, really I, want, I want him to have the summer off. I don't think he needs to be with the England team for, for the Euros. I'm sure he would have absolutely loved to go. Like Every player wants to go to a major tournament, so I don't think that he would be sat there going, no, please don't pick me, Gareth Southgate. I think with a 26-man squad, he's almost nailed on that he will go, especially since he's scoring again. I think that's 10 goals in the last 17 for him. So that's a pretty good record for, for any striker, any forward. Um and I think really with Mason, you've just got to keep trusting him. You know, he's not a bench player. He's a starter, you know, and this is the problem with Sancho. If you bring Jaden Sancho in, it does mean that who who loses the minutes? Well, it's going to probably be Mason it and it will definitely, and it will definitely, definitely be Ahmed. So those two players who you want to kind of develop and keep moving forward, Sancho might inhibit that. However, I prefer competition. I would rather Sancho be at the club and let them all work it out that way. And then, then you see who the best players are and the cream rises to the top. Always. And uh, my sort of last point on Mason before we wrap up, Rob, is that you talk about the way he carried the ball, the way he glides. He wasn't doing that even three months ago. Nope. Not to that effect and nope. not to, you know, not not that well as well, which is very, very which has been very, very impressive. You've got to give Oli credit for the way he's managed him. He's had off-field uh, issues as well. You've got to give Mason credit. You know, he's an absolutely superstar talent. You know, United have got an absolute gem on their hands. And we all want to see him, uh, you know, be absolutely brilliant at Manchester United. Rob, thank you very much for joining me as always. Guys, thank you for all your comments and all of your support. You know, really appreciate all the retweets and the likes. Spread the word. You want to grow this masterclass family. Make sure you check out our website where you'll find all the podcasts and you'll find some articles as well. That's www.thefootballmasterclass.com. Have a lovely evening and we'll see you on Thursday for the big one against Liverpool. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.